Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. If the God of the Bible really exists, I would go gladly to hell. And anybody happy to go to heaven to worship such a creature is morally bankrupt. It is because God's wrath is real that His mercy is relevant. Unless you have a real wrath, the biblical concepts of mercy and of grace are robbed of their meaning. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, you're a church shopper and hopper, are you? This is Wretched Radio. One, and there are myriads, one of the current trends in evangelical Christianity is to possess a consumer mentality. Church should be downright thrilled to have a guy like me as a regular attender. We don't say member anymore. That's another bad evangelical trend where we do not feel the necessity to be a part, a committed member, a serving committed member of a local church. We have been encouraged by seeker sensitivity. We've been encouraged by our consumer culture. We've been very encouraged because of a low view of church so often in evangelical Christianity that we feel like we can just pack up our emotional backpacks and skedaddle anytime we want to. Isn't it true? It's a blessing to have the internet. You can check out the sermons. But if you Google a church, like a restaurant or an Airbnb, you can read a review of people who went to that church. Well, you know, only two people said hello to me. They don't mention how many people they said hello to. But the point is we get reviews from people and then we kind of go, I don't know. Worse than that. We are currently a part of a local church, but something happens to tick you off. And so you pack up and you go to the Internet and you find a new place or potentially wander around the wilderness for a few weeks or months. We just can't find one. So Sunday morning becomes coffee and a newspaper if they still make those things. The evangelical trend of church shopping and hopping. We got to put the kibosh on it. And I have just the text to help us all be committed and stay in a sound. Of course, that's the prerequisite. It must be a sound Bible teaching church. But to commit to it and to stay there until I am either transplanted or die. Why is this? A hot issue for me on this particular wretched day. It is because of the sermon that I heard on Sunday, not once but twice. Dr. Mike Fabares, pastor of Compass Bible Church. He was in town to film Road Trip to Truth Season 4. That's right. Season 3 was just released. We are already working on Season 4. And Mike Fabares was in town. He talked about true and false conversions. He talked about heaven and hell. And he talked about forgiveness and bitterness. Apparently, he needed to have two subjects for every one of the episodes. And he was spectacular. He did a bang-up job. And I learned something about him along the way that I thought was interesting and telling. He's an evangelist. How do I know? Because as soon as he landed, we were texting one another, and then he just dropped out, which some people are that way. They're not as good at texting as, say, you are. And he just disappeared. Sorry, just spent the last 20 minutes witnessing to Evander Holyfield. What? What? How did? 
and he said he was standing in line, didn't recognize the fellow. But people kept coming up to him, not Mike, but to Evander to say, can I have my picture taken with you? So Mike asked him, do you like that? Do you like people coming up to you to do that? Chit chat, chit chat. Where are you from? Well, I grew up in fill in the blank and I went to church as a kid a lot because of my grandmother who just died. And Mike said something so telling. He said, there it was. There, there was my pathway to the gospel. You and I do not need tricks. You can have them if you want them. I don't think it's a terrible thing to have some standard lines that will get you to a gospel encounter. Hey, Christmas is coming up. Why do you celebrate it? Did you know that it's almost Easter? Do you believe in that holiday? You can have those, but you really don't need those. You just need to talk to somebody and be listening. He heard his open door, marched through it, and witnessed to him. And so, in my excitement, I responded because I, too, have an evangelistic heart. And I asked him, did you stare at the ear? Because I don't know that I could keep my eyes off of it. It would be like a shiny object. A bitten ear is like the law. You know you shouldn't do it, but it really makes you want to do it some more. And he said, yeah, I, I took a couple of glimpses. <laughs> it's, it's still missing a chunk. <laughs> That was such a scene. And then he arrived, and we did Road Trip to Truth, and he mounted the pulpit at a church that should encourage you. This is the third big church that I have been to, located in the boondocks, Nowheresville, man. This is what the Beatles were singing about. This is where that guy went to church. Nowhere land. It was in the middle of Woodstock, Georgia. Okay, it's not a tiny town, but do you know where Woodstock, Georgia is? Do you ever have conversations during dinner? And when you're talking about New York or Portland, which is basically on fire these days, does Woodstock, Georgia come up? No. And yet there's a big church there that is Bible-centered, pastored by a fellow who has been there for 19 years. Biblical counseling, rock-solid library, two services, if I had to guess, about 300 people per service. That's a guess. In other words, God is building his church. Foothills, Jimmy, when I was at your church, that is a big facility, lots of lovely people, good Bible teaching, and it is even more in nowhere land than even (laughs) Woodstock is. It is. Then I was up in Beaufort. Don't say that wrong. They tend to get a little bit touchy about how you pronounce Beaufort because it's Beaufort in South Carolina. Big church, Dr. Carl Brogy, the and great preaching and people are growing and you walk in and you feel loved. Be encouraged. There are still good and growing churches out there. In fact, this should encourage you, Pastor, if you've been tempted to employ the seeker-sensitive model so that you can grow your church, preach the word in season, out of season, and let the Lord take care of the results. And typically what you're going to see when you're faithful to the preaching of the word, you're going to grow. Word of mouth might take a while, but you will grow. And this church in Woodstock is growing, thriving. They just started breaking ground on a brand new church that they're building to establish another HQ for the people of Christ to gather every Sunday. And Mike Fabares mounted the pulpit 
and preached to this growing, thriving, excited congregation, don't you go shopping. Don't you leave this place unless you have got very valid grounds for doing so. And he acknowledged there can be those times when it happens, but we're all too quick to determine, well, this is one of those times. I'm just agitated. This isn't happening. I'd like it to be like this instead of like that. That person didn't say hello to me for two weeks in a row now. Come on, kids, we're out of here. And then off you go, probably to Netherland to just wander around for a number of weeks or months, claiming, well, I just can't find a good church. If you've got a Bible teaching church, you've got a good church, and you should stay there until you are either transported or until you die. What text do you suppose Mike Fabara's used to make that point rather emphatically? That's right. Acts chapter 9, you say, hold it, that's a historical narrative. Where is the clear command that I need to be committed to a local church? Well, it isn't a clear command because it is an historical narrative section of the Bible out of which the preacher must very carefully and hermeneutically pull out the truths. I'm going to read the text. And I want you to play the expositor. See if you can figure out an outline from this text. What would you do with Acts chapter 9, 26? Paul was on the road to Damascus, sends Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. He gets converted. Verse 26, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and didn't believe he was a disciple, not one of the 12, but a follower of Jesus Christ. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to Jesus, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. That's what Barnabas did. Verse 28, so he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. In other words, he's wandering the halls of the Jerusalem church, getting along with everybody, part of the crowd. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord and disputed against the Hellenists, the Greeks, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. And then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Go. What five points would you create out of that text? Now, clearly, Mike Fabares isn't a Southern Baptist preacher because he would have limited the points to three alliterated lessons. He had five, and it was all a finger point. It was a loving thump to the chest going, hey, 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 you're thinking about leaving your church. Slow your roll. Don't abandon ship. Because you are unhappy with some element of a Bible teaching church, we will unpack Mike's sermon because of my amazing memory next on Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Affordable, biblical health 
sharing Christians paying for other Christians medical bills which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff second of all you can save on average $500 per month and finally MediShare it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. 2022 has brought incredible growth to Wretched and Gospel Partners Media. We've seen the launch of Transformed, our new biblical counseling show. We've also launched Breaking Bread, a new interview resource featuring Todd speaking with people like Phil Johnson, Daryl Harrison, Tim Challies, Justin Peters, Steve Lawson, and more in-depth on a variety of topics facing the church today. And while we're ecstatic over these projects and others, nothing means more to us than you. Thanks so much for your ministry. Thank you. Praise God for you guys. Thank you for that. Wretched has encouraged just to share faith and, and get out there and actually do something. That's why we do what we do, and we have no plans of slowing down in 2023. And we invite you to join us in our efforts to preach the gospel, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. Please remember Wretched as 2022 draws to a close, and we begin a new year and new opportunity to share the amazing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just visit wretched.org donate or text the word Wretched to the number 44321. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 732 AD. At the Battle of Tours, Charles Martel turns back the Muslim invasion of Europe. As Islam decimated the church in North Africa and the Middle East, Europe became the new center of Christianity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Please pass your papers to the front of the class. This is Wretched Radio. Do you have your five alliterated or otherwise points? Applications from an historical narrative of the book of Acts that encourages all of us to stay faithful to the church that God currently has you in, recognizing there are times when it is valid to skedaddle. They should be pretty extraordinary times. It should be done in consultation with the pastor who is in charge of your soul on earth. And there should be lots of communication and a passing of the membership from one church to another. And Mike Fabares, the pastor of Compass Bible Church, a thriving church in Orange County, 
They're doing something fascinating. Pastor, you might want to ponder this. The scale might be different because the Compass Bible Church campus is quite big and there's thousands of people who go there, but they, they've created something just a couple of years ago called Compass Bible Institute. And you say, we don't need another Christian college. It's not. Do they have relationships where you can go back and forth with different good seminaries and schools and get credit and make sure that your stuff gets transferred? Yes, they do. But that's not the purpose of the Compass Bible Institute. It is to train church members for service in the local church. That's different, isn't it? If you go sometimes to a Bible college, it's detached regularly from a local church. Compass Bible Institute is designed to equip those who are there who want to learn more. They don't need to go off and get themselves a bachelor's or a master's in theology, but they can learn church administration. They can learn biblical counseling. They can learn how to teach. In other words, it's designed in the church to strengthen the church. It's brilliant. And Mike, who's actually written a book on expository preaching, showed how it's done on Sunday when he encouraged a thriving, growing, just very vibrant congregation that I attended on Sunday, Faith Community Church in, oh, Jimmy, what's that place called where they're located? Oh, yeah, Woodstock. Because <laughs> it's not, they've got a quick trip. So it's not like there's nobody there, but this big church in a, it's quite a rural city of Atlanta, Georgia. He preached twice on the book of Acts chapter 9. Paul gets saved. He comes to Jerusalem and the disciples go, uh, no, don't think so. And Mike went about the business of opening up from this text, which just seems like a story to encourage us all to stick around. His first observation was, you should plan on having difficulties, challenges, conflicts in your church. You should plan on it. It is not an if question. It's a when question. You are going to have issues. You're going to get agitated. And he made that point from Acts 9, 26. Paul, this brilliant brain, he had a PhD in Old Testament. Now, after persecuting the church, He's claiming, I'm a Christian now, and I want in. They should have gone, whoa, what a score for the church in Jerusalem. We got the big brain of Paul. But they didn't because they were afraid of him. Was that unreasonable? No, it was not unreasonable. It was a valid concern. The guy had held the coats for the people who stoned Stephen in Jerusalem. He was a known terrorist, now claiming to be a follower of the way. And they said, we don't know that you're a disciple. And we don't want you in our group. You should expect it. It was happening in, this is why we get the book of Acts. We see the early church and to the people who say, I just want to go back to the first century church. Mm-hmm. You think it was perfect then? They were living in peace, certainly. At least for a season, not the entire first century, but for a season. And we see some stellar local churches doing very well in the New Testament, but there were also struggles. That's why Paul wrote these epistles, because there were problems in the church. Don't think that if you could just get teleported back to the first century, you wouldn't have all of those church people, because that's what church is. It's filled with church people, and they are just as agitating in the first century as they are today. And Paul 
ran into a conflict. He wasn't even allowed in. Expect conflict. Who was leading the church of Jerusalem? James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. That should be a perfect church, right? No, you've got people. When when you've got people who are not yet glorified, you're going to have conflict. So just expect it. Don't be shocked. I can't believe they played that song. Okay, it's going to happen. Don't just pack up and go. Continuing in the text, Barnabas, the son of encouragement. This was fascinating to watch a preacher like Mike Fabares because the sermon didn't feel heavy theologically, but it was. <laughs> it was just loaded. And he talked about the name Barnabas. It's the same word that we have for paraclete, paracoleo, to call alongside. It, it, it's, it's like here's, here's somebody going in a direction. You come next to them. Or the word parable, it's a story alongside of it to teach a truth through a story. You know, the word parallel, where parakaleo is an encourager who comes along the side of somebody. And what did he do? He brought the two parties together. Do you remember Oyodia and Syntyche? Those are two names that are available to you if you are a homeschool family. You have run out of names that begin with the letter E or S. Those two, you will be you'll be at the front of the tr- of the trend of naming your kids Oyodia or Syntyche. They weren't getting along. So what does Paul prescribe? There's a true yoke fellow there. Don't have his name, but the guy was a true yoke fellow. Bring him in and have him help these two women settle their dispute. And that's exactly what Barnabas did. He brought the parties together. Could you potentially play the role of Barnabas in your church by bringing warring factions together? Could you perhaps, in your own style, Bring them to the table to say, brothers, sisters, let's talk about these issues. That's exactly what Barnabas did. He brought them together and he said, I'm telling you, this guy, he's preaching mightily up in Damascus. Or he got saved, rather, on the road to Damascus. And he was preaching mightily in the name of Jesus Christ at Damascus. He's a real deal. And what do we see? Now, remember, historical narrative, it doesn't give you every detail. It just gives you the details you need. But you can regularly put the mortar between these blocks. So Paul was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. We're scared of this guy. Suddenly, welcome. Hey, it's Paul. Say hi to Paul, everybody. Paul, this is this is Oyodion Syntyche, because it was a very popular name back then. He was coming in and going out. Barnabas brought them together. We need Barnabases. We need people to bring people together. And Paul spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he went about the business then of disputing with the Hellenists. They didn't like his preaching. These were probably Hellenistic Jews, Greek converts. And they didn't like the preaching of Paul. And they threatened to kill him. Notice how quickly this story turns. Paul not embraced by the church of Jerusalem because they were afraid of him, suddenly, almost immediately, it seems, we don't know how much time went by, but he's coming in and he's going out of the Jerusalem church. The Greeks are trying to kill him. So now they fear for Paul's life. They don't fear for their life because of Paul. They fear for Paul's life because of the threats of the Hellenists. And what do they do? They pack him up and they skedaddle him out. That's right. 
skedaddle them out. You can Google that word. It's in there someplace. They cared about him and they sent him away. Mike's point on this was that we need to protect the courageous. There are some people in your church. They're involved in pro-life ministries. They're defending marriage. They're out in the community doing open-air preaching, and they're taking some heat. We need to protect them. And what happened then in the church? So Paul goes away. He, he leaves for Caesarea, to the, to the, that's a port city, to then go to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. When the church was acting like the church, protecting the courageous, bringing parties together, and acting like Barnabas, being an encourager, he uses flowerly, flowerly language, flowery language, it's not an adverb, Todd, to talk about the great preaching of Paul and look at the sweet peace, really making the point. There's just, I'm trying to encourage you that good things are going on, and we need those people in the church, too. Isn't it true that when a kid runs away from home, it's typically a place where there isn't much encouragement? There isn't a whole lot of paracoleo, but inside of a home where kids are encouraged, they're patted on the back, they're exhorted, they stick around. And the same thing is true in a church, which is why we need to cultivate encouragement, celebrate the victories. And if we do, then guess what we will have? We will be edified. We will be walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and you'll be multiplied. Sound good? Then stick around. Let this text encourage you to make a commitment. This is my church, and unless something extraordinary happens or I get transplanted, I'm staying here till I die. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, the United Methodist Church has announced new dates for its general conference, having previously postponed it a number of times. In the announcement last Friday, the Commission on the General Conference said the churchwide legislative gathering will be held April 23rd to May 3rd, 2024. At that time is when I guess they'll be ready to have discussions over the much-debated LGBT issue that is causing many churches to disfellowship from the UMC. People's Party of Canada leader Maxim Berner has contradicted the claims of radical gender activists that there are 52 genders. In a November 2nd newsletter from the People's Party of Canada, he began by saying male and female. That's it. And he also wondered where the push for gender ideology came from and when it became controversial to state that there are only two genders. I think I might have an answer to that when it all became political. Well, the Supreme Court of Virginia is hearing the case of a teacher who was fired after he refused to call a girl a boy. Fleming had been a French teacher at West Point High School in Virginia for seven years when he was fired in 2018. Apparently, one of Fleming's female students had transitioned to living as a boy and desired to be referred to as one. Fleming did use the child's chosen male name to refer to her, but he avoided using male pronouns when addressing the student. He told the principal of the school that he couldn't in good conscience pronounce masculine pronouns to refer to a girl, saying that his Christian faith prevented him from doing so. 
And in October of 2018, the school board voted unanimously to fire him despite an outpouring of support for him from parents and students. Well, we have more news on Whoopi Goldberg. She can't seem to stay out of the headlines, but she has announced that she is leaving Twitter because new Twitter owner Elon Musk was mean to Kathy Griffin and blocked her from the platform. She said she feels like it's so messy and she's tired of now having had certain kinds of attitudes blocked that are now back on, so she's just going to get out. And if it settles down and she feels more comfortable, well, then she'll come back. But as of now, she is done with Twitter. This is a recently released video from the director of the gender health program at Minnesota's Children's Hospital. I have three boys, or rather I have three kids, six, six, and four, who were assigned male at birth and continue to identify as boys. And when our kids were growing up, we tried to expand their gender categories. Biology isn't destiny, and that how someone feels inside or their gender identity may not line up with expectations based on anatomy. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but how someone feels on the inside has nothing to do with the factual-based anatomy. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The Book of Proverbs is a collection of memorable sayings meant to encourage wisdom for godly living. Each proverb is to be understood on its own, and then in light of the rest of the book, and finally the whole Bible. When you desire wisdom, look to the book of Proverbs, which reminds us that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. So how's your diet? This is Wretched Radio. What you've been consuming lately through your earbuds or your eyeballs? What information are you absorbing into your noggin as you go about the business of listening to podcasts, watching the YouTube machine? What is your diet? Might I suggest you and I need to be very careful about what we consume. This is not a screed to no longer listen to the Daily Wire, but it is going to be an encouragement to remember the Daily Wire is not agnostic. It is not religion-free. The Daily Wire, led by Ben Shapiro, who wears a yarmulke regularly. He's a practicing Jew. I don't know to what degree. I doubt he's keeping the 613 laws. Nevertheless, he's Jewish. He talks about his religion. He applies the Bible to politics, to social issues. In other words, even when you might be hearing a really helpful political monologue, it's going to be informed by the host's religion. That's just the way that it works. It's impossible to not have religion either overtly or covertly a part of producing some sort of media content that is designed to gather a crowd, keep their attention, keep your ad rates up. You're going to get religion, and this does not mean you shouldn't listen to the Daily Wire, but as is always the case, it is a reminder for us Bible-believing Christians we never turn off our Bible filter. Case in point, Michael Knowles. He's one of the brilliant minds there. You've got Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson. You've got Candace Owens. She's whip smart to boot. And this fellow is now going to talk about Dylan Mulvaney. The name might ring a bell. I believe he just took a trip to the White House where the president praised him for being a boy who thinks he's a girl or 
vice versa. It's honestly, sometimes it's challenging to tell. Nevertheless, the president of the free world, president of the United States, most powerful man in the free world, might be a little bit more precise, celebrated this, said, I'm going to protect this. Whoa, that really is dark. I I don't know what qualifies for evil if that doesn't. If, if we don't have some way of saying, look, that sort of ideology, I know you wear a suit and tie and you live in a fancy white house. That's evil. What you're promoting is downright wicked. Mike Knowles is about to say it's satanic and he will reveal that he's clearly Roman Catholic as he assesses the Dylan Mulvaney escapade at the White House. Public religion is on the decline. People are not getting baptized. And so they're not, during baptism, during traditional rite of baptism, three exorcisms are are performed. Okay, hold on, hold on. I don't know that he talked about being Roman Catholic prior to this. He just slides it in there. So, Let's just say there's somebody who is born again. They're new to the faith. They turn into Daily Wire or they've been listening to the Daily Wire and they hear Michael Knowles say what he's about to say about baptism. Do you think that it might confuse them? Yeah, and it could confuse you too. Public religion is on the decline. People are not getting baptized. And so they're not, during baptism, during traditional rite of baptism, three exorcisms are are performed on the person being baptized. Uh, What? So baptism is is an exorcism? So the little cherubs that we bring to that font are filled with demons, at least three of them? I've never heard of such a thing, have you? I'm not Roman Catholic. I've studied it a pretty fair amount. I have never heard, or at least I don't recall, that baptism involves exorcisms. But that's exactly what Michael Knowles is about to teach. To cast out the demons that prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls, because this is a very fallen world, and uh, this is a, a wonderful thing, and then you get the demons cast out of you, and you don't need to worry about this stuff as much anymore. Huh. Who knew that that was going on with the kids? Now, I know kids are born totally depraved. I didn't think they were born possessed by at least three demons. Jimmy, you ever heard of such a thing in the Roman Catholic Church? I have not. You want to Google? I, I can. Do some thorough research on okay. this and see what you can discover in two minutes or less. Okay. Michael Knowles is Roman Catholic, and that's what you're hearing. So he's currently teaching theology. He's not revealing, tipping his Roman Catholic hand. We do here. We're Bible-believing, conservative, born-again evangelicals. Now you know. Michael Knowles isn't affording that courtesy, but he just keeps teaching on Roman Catholic baptism as the solution for the evil that we see today because not enough people are getting baptized, so they're all filled with demons. Uh, Well, now people aren't being baptized, and the demons are just running amok. This stuff, the Dylan Mulvaney stuff, the transgender stuff, it's just demonic. Think about furries. Have you heard of furries? these These are people who think that they're actually an animal. They're really confused. And Michael Knowles is going to say, what do you call that but demon possession? Now, that leads us to another observation about Michael. He is now going to assess the reason that people think that they're a cat or a boy thinks he's a girl or vice versa. So, in other words, you're now going to get some psychology taught from Michael Knowles. 
Is this sound? People who say that not only are they one gender, but they're multiple genders in their heads. We've, we've played this, these clips on the show of people who say, I've got these head mates, these head partners, and they're all these different personalities in my head. So one day I'm a boy, one day I'm a girl, one depending on who's kind of in control of my body. What do you call that? It's just demons, man. It's just demons. Well, maybe not. Could they be? Well, certainly. But I think this is to overlook the reality that there are some people who struggle with that. Now, you can call it mental health, you can call it emotional health, whatever the politically correct term is these days. But I don't think that because somebody has maybe a voice in their head, that means it's a demon talking to them. Could it be? Sure. Is it? Not definitively. So theologically and psychologically, if you will, Michael Knowles is teaching something that I don't think hits the mark. And we simply need to remember that anytime we're listening to anybody who's pontificating about social, moral, or political issues, you're going to get their worldview. It is impossible. Jimmy, what'd you learn about Catholic baptisms and exorcisms? Okay, so there's two types of exorcisms. There's okay. a major exorcism and uh, a minor one. Sure. So the major one is when someone is possessed uh, by a demon. Uh, but uh, when an infant is receiving baptism, they're not necessarily possessed. But since baptism signifies liberation from sin and from the instigator, the devil, ah. one or more exorcisms are pronounced over the candidate. You, you hear what doctrine is coming through there? Yes. That would be your infused righteousness. Yep. The baby needs to be made sinless. Then the baby needs to maintain sinless state or pay the consequences. So how does one do that? Well, you don't just get baptized. You keep all of the laws you keep all of the rules of the Catholic Church. You go to Mass. You go to confession, Lord's Supper. You get married as a sacrament. You, you must give to works of charity and love. And then right before you die, if you get last rites, you might just go to heaven. If not, you're going to be spending time in a little place called purgatory where you're going to work it off. That's what you're hearing there. So there, it's not a real act. It's just kind of a purging of sin. That, that's it. The, uh, but, but so then how's about, it, how's about calling it purging of sin as opposed to an exorcism? Michael Knowles, smart guy, likable fellow, I'm sure has plenty of material that is worthy of our consideration, but not without a filter. <laughs> like, I, and I know that people are going to look at me like I'm crazy when I say that. But what is crazier? Because for all of human history, every single place in the world, including in Christendom and every pagan culture everywhere forever, everyone has had some sense that there is not only a physical world, but a spiritual world, and that some spirits are good and some spirits are bad, and the bad spirits are demons, and they do weird stuff to humanity. Okay, Everyone for all of human history has thought that until about five minutes ago in our stupid atheist <laughs> civilization. <laughs> Probably not. A, if you've been seeing, I think he pops up in, in my YouTube feed because I, I I went to look at some of his clips on what is a woman, Matt Walsh. He was talking about the actress. She's very pleasant and like Anne Hathaway, I think is her name. Princess Diaries, Anne Hathaway. Uh, the Devil Wears Prada, Anne Hathaway. Okay, that's all I know. And he's the, he, she must have said something 
And basically, the the caption on the YouTube video from Matt, who's also Roman Catholic, by the way, was, and and hath this woman is a stupid idiot. <laughs> well, no, probably not language that a Christian should be using to describe another. But fair point. It's only been up to like five minutes ago where we used to have what we call a culture, where we used to have some norms, where we understood and worked things out because we didn't think that everybody who came before us was a knucklehead. But today we kind of have, are writing a new playbook. We're calling it progressive when it is nothing short of a 2000 year regression. Michael Knowles, thank you, sir, for being concerned about the trans issue, but he's Roman Catholic, and we need to remember that when we consume his content. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering free loving Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, hey, thank you for tuning in to Wretched Radio today. We certainly appreciate your time. Did you know there is actually something in existence that gives you information on things happening at Wretched? Things like upcoming product launches or details on upcoming seasons of our productions of Wretched Radio, Wretched TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread. Also, information on job openings here at Wretched. Information on upcoming sales in the Wretched store. What I'm referring to is the monthly Wretched newsletter. If you're not already receiving the Wretched newsletter, you're missing out on all of these things and more. The Wretched Newsletter also contains thorough and in-depth messages on a wide range of theological topics, and that's not all. As a Wretched Newsletter subscriber, you're also eligible for resources that we give away daily here at Wretched. So sign up and don't miss out on any of this stuff by becoming a Wretched Newsletter subscriber by visiting our website at wretched.org, scroll to the bottom of the page, and fill out the form. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines? They typically make about 12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing. $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. 
of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called God and Savior. If Jesus were only human, His death could not have paid our debt. But Jesus is both man and God, able to represent us, yet able to bear the wrath of the Father. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome to Let's All Learn from Jimmy. This is Wretched Radio. You couldn't stop Googling, could you, Jimmy? Well, I've been waiting for this day. I've got a lot to teach. <laughs> you do, specifically about Roman Catholic baptisms. What what else, what other details have you discovered? Well, uh, the thing that I was reading continues on to say that all humans are born with original sin. Yes. Okay, stop. Uh-huh. Yes. Agreed. With Uh-oh. the exceptions of Jesus. Uh-huh. And Mary. And that's a problem right there. <laughs> okay, if Mary was born sinless, then her parents needed to be sinless. And you have yourself an infinite regress. And we know that Mary's parents were sinners. And we know that Mary was a sinner because in the Magnificat, she proclaimed she needed a Savior. The only one born without original sin is Jesus because he was over, he was conceived by the power of God, the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. That is why Jesus was born without sin, fully God, fully man. And you don't, you don't, historically, it's always been understood. You get your sin nature from Pop. Well, he didn't have an earthly father, therefore, he did not have earthly sin. The rest of us do. In sin was I born, in iniquity did my mother conceive me. For all sin and fall short of the glory of God. That includes babies because the word all actually means all. Keep going with your teaching on Roman Catholic baptism. So as the Council of Trent taught, this makes us... 16th century, by the way. It makes us, by nature, children of wrath, servants of sin, and under the power of the devil and death. Okay, hold on right there. No disagreement. Right. Yet... We we do live under the power of the devil, but being under the power of the devil is not the same as being possessed by the devil in need of an exorcism. Consider what Jesus said, Gospel of John, one of my favorite sections of Scripture. It's like an open air, bing, boom, bang, back and forth between the Pharisees and Jesus. When Jesus called the religious leader's father the devil, he wasn't saying they were possessed. He was saying that they were under his influence. We are all born under the influence of the devil. We all do have original sin. The question, of course, is how is our original sin dealt with? Keep going, Jimmy. When a person is baptized, they receive God's grace and are translated from death to life, from the dominion of Satan to the church of God. Hold the phone, Henrietta. So this ceremonial act makes you a Christian. It brings you into a state of righteousness. That is what the Protestant Reformation was about, among a few other things. Imputed versus infused righteousness. Imputed means credited with the righteousness of Jesus. Infused means through a baptismal ceremony, you are purged of your sin. You're injected with righteousness. Now, You have to maintain that righteousness by doing a lot of stuff. Anything else there, Jimmy? Oh, yeah, the very last sentence. Thus, an an exorcism is appropriate. No, it's not. (laughs) Now, first of all, 
I know, I know you could say Mark 16, that we are given authority to cast out demons. What do we see in the book of Acts? The seven sons of Sceva, they're messing around with demons. And what happens? They get torn to shreds and run out of the building sans clothing. We don't mess with demons. We resist temptation and the devil flees. We don't go to war with them. We don't talk to them. I know Martin Luther did. He had a tendency to, t- <laughs> to yell at the devil. But I'm, I don't know that we've got biblical permission to do that, nor is it wise. How does one get exercised of a demon? And not everybody is demon-possessed. Just looking at the four Gospels, when you see Jesus going from village to village, and he did cast out demons, but it wasn't everybody. Not everybody needed it. Furthermore, where do you see any sort of teaching that this ceremonial act does that? You don't, we're not supposed to be performing exorcisms. Instead, we preach the gospel to people that they would get saved, the Holy Spirit would indwell them, and the demons skedaddle. Because let's just say the Holy Spirit doesn't share a room. He indwells the believer, and he's the only one. He's not going to have a demon in there to boot. If we want demons to go, we've got to preach the gospel. Anything else on the Roman Catholic baptism, Jimmy? Uh, no, not not much to speak of. So what you got here is a bibliology issue. How do you read the Bible? How do, what is your hermeneutic? Is it a filter of tradition, the magisterium? Or is it just, I got to know what the original author intended? Well, survey says most people in America don't think the Bible is the source for pretty much anything. This, this is why you and I need to remember, if we don't like the state of affairs in our nation right now, hey, I'm, I'm really excited about a red wave, but I'm not putting my hope in it. You can't do that because this is a deeper issue than politics. And I think this survey reveals it. The fourth installment of the American Values Study released by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. (sighs) When asked to identify what they viewed as the primary determinant of right and wrong in the U.S., get ready. What you feel in your heart was believed by 42%. I think I can safely say this is 42% of the country that hasn't given morality much thought. It doesn't take long to dismantle truth is in your heart. Now, to be certain, this idea is nothing new under the sun. This has been around for, well, forever, but we really see it start to make its way into popular culture in France, 18th century, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, other philosophers, Truth not being knowable, postmodernism. You've got Sigmund Freud, your id and your super ego and your ego and the real you inside of you has been stuffed down there by the church and you need to just live your authentic self. And that is exactly what we are seeing reflected in truth. Morality is what you feel in your heart. Jeffrey Dahmer felt something in his heart. The end. (laughs) That's... It's really all you need to dismantle that idea. But it indicates people just haven't thought deeply about such things. Hold on. 
The survey continues. An additional 29% cited wow, blank, blank as their desired method for determining right and wrong. Jimmy, I'll bet you can guess if you ever listen to Witness Wednesdays. <laughs> do you ever listen to Witness Wednesday? I do, every week. <laughs> I don't have a choice. Only because you have to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, why, why do people say this is right and that is wrong? We know that 42% say you feel it in your heart. 29% cited, and we've heard this on the campuses, majority rule. We can defeat that argument, dismantle it with two words, Nazi, Germany, the end. Majority rule, yikes. That means genocide can be right in one nation and wrong in another. That makes no sense. Of course it doesn't. Hold on. 29% expressed a belief that the principles laid out in the Bible should determine the understanding of right and wrong. 29% said the Bible's going to be our moral compass. This is why we're seeing what we're seeing. You've got people who think truth is found in your own heart. That now that it's really popular for trans, etc., well, then it's okay. That's why we're where we're. So what do people need? A politician with the letter R in front of their title? Or do they need a new heart with new desires that doesn't come from baptism? It comes from being born again, baptized into the Holy Spirit, which is another way of saying regeneration. Then you use the Bible to apply it to moral issues. So if you don't have a nation that is following biblical principles, but they're following their own hearts and majority rule, you have what we see on the evening news. This shouldn't be a shock. And that means you and I need to find a very careful balance, but I'm not sure it's a 50-50 balance. No, I'm certain it's not. It's more like 99 to 1%. Okay, somewhere in that neighborhood. That 99% of our concern should be the salvation of souls. Now, does that mean we don't care at all about politics? No, but it's, it's puny by comparison. That's not where the power is. We, we're grateful for righteous governments. Believe me, the people rejoice when the righteous prosper. But that's not where our hope is. It's not in horses and chariots. It's not in leaders. It, it is in the power of God unto salvation, which takes a stone-cold, dead heart and replaces it with a heart of flesh, with the laws of God written in our hearts, a desire to be righteous and holy and obedient. If you don't like what's going on in the news these days, if you don't like what's happening and being taught in your elementary school, and I can't imagine anybody who's thrilled about it, we should vote to be certain. But we should most definitely evangelize. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.